Good morning, City Hill. I just want to jump off that, what uh, Matt was saying to Dante. You know, we prayed that God would bring us a new youth director. And may I just say that the youth and the children of our church are a very high priority. We are, my heart and passion is that they would come to know Jesus and grow in the things of the Spirit and that we would come alongside of the families and help you see your children established in Christ. And we were saying, God, we need some helpers in that. We need somebody who can really dedicate to that. And we really believe that God has brought us Dante for that. So you're an answer to our prayers, brother. We welcome you into our family. And a miracle for Dante is he just got married. <laughs> Alec, stand up with your wife there. We got to meet the wife as well. So let's just say God answers prayers. Hallelujah. Did you know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases? Ever. Did you know that his mercies never come to an end? They are what? They are new. Every, does that mean this morning? That means there's new mercies to us today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that the faithfulness of God never, ever ends. He doesn't get up there in heaven and go, you know, I've just about had it with these guys. I mean, you know, I mean, that is it. I gave him a third chance and it, it, I'm done. Praise the Lord. He doesn't do that. He looks down in his mercies and his forgiveness and his kindness. It just keeps going. He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't get tired. The steadfast love of the Lord is new every morning to you. Not just to the church, not just to the world, to you and to me. And God never gives up on us. No matter where you go, no matter where you hide, no matter where you try to go from his mercies, he never gives up on us. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful for that this morning. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us, God, that you took the initiative. It wasn't that we earned it, it's that you reached out to us. God, even when we fall short, when we don't deserve it, you just keep on loving us, God. May the truth of that drop into our hearts this morning, that, God, you are the ever-faithful, ever-strong, ever-loving God that keeps on loving us, God. We are so grateful for that. Thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. This summer, we've been preaching through discipleship, a summer of discipleship. What makes a disciple? And my heart in this is meant to go back to the Word of God and say, what did Jesus have to say about discipleship? It's always a good place to go back to. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What was his heart on discipleship? And we've said some things like, we need to learn to be a disciple. We've got to learn to fight using the Word of God, using the Word of God to defend us, to stand with us, to help us through our battles. We have to have the Word of God as our rock and our foundation. We've embraced that a, a disciple's a servant. He's not the guy up on top. He's the guy that is looking for ways to serve people. He's outward looking. He's saying, God, you've poured your love into me. How can I share that with others? A disciple's a servant. A disciple just loves people. I asked a guy recently, How do you, what are you going to do in your retirement? You know, he's retiring this year, one of my buddies. He said, 
I'm going to love people. I thought, what a great answer. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do for any more employment. or I don't know. But he just said, I just want to love well. Amen. I'll take that on. Maybe people that love others well. A disciple's a giver because everything they have is God's. It's not 10% or 50% or 90%. It's, I am a steward of what God's given me. So my car, my house, my time, my money, my savings, my investments, my, it's all God's. And then I say, God, how do you have me use what you've entrusted to me? And then a disciple is someone that listens to the Holy Spirit, that has that ear attuned and says, yes, Lord. They're excited to obey. They're waiting for that direction of the Holy Spirit. And may I say that that's been something, as you teach, God challenges your life. I don't know if you ever know that, if you ever taught. You teach and people get something, but you get more. And on this listening to the Holy Spirit, for me, it's been kind of a, like tuning a radio where you're kind of hearing the song, you know, and it's a little bit distorted. And God's just saying, tune that radio in more to hear more clearly from me. And, you know, I, I was just watching a uh, something, a ministry program, and they were making fun of a Christian leader who was talking about hearing from the Lord. And as I listened to it, you know, they're like, well, how do you really know? And they were kind of, they were kind of making fun of her. And I thought, just be careful. Be really careful because we are not crazy to believe that God speaks to us today. We are people with thought, oh, they're hearing God's talking. Well, yes, God is talking to us. And the world may not know what to do with that. But may we be people, and I'm putting myself in this, that would more and more hear from the Lord and have the, the courage to step out and speak to somebody, be it on an airplane, be it in a restaurant, be it, you know, I mean, be cool about it. Because it can freak people out. I get that. But it can also change lives and it can impact people for the kingdom. So let's be those that will be led with ears attuned to the Holy Spirit as disciples. So today, <clears throat> what God's put on my heart comes out of Matthew 24. And here it is. A disciple never quits. A disciple never quits. Matthew 24, verse 13, but the one, I'll, I'll inject the disciple, who endures to the end will be saved. <clears throat> I want to read that again. But the disciple, the one who endures to the end, will be saved. The words of Christ. See, God has a race for you. Now, that race is rarely just one straight line. It's not a railroad track that you run a marathon in a straight line. That race of God often has twists and turns that we're not expecting. But God has laid out a path for us for you to run. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a call for each person that calls upon his name. Now, when I say that, I can imagine people are going, ah, uh, well, if that's true, am I on the right path? Am I in the right place? I mean, I, my life's not been perfect by any means. Have I, am I in the right job? Am I in the middle of God's will? Good questions, right? 
And, you know, just a moment speaking about the will of God for you. Most of my life, I believed that the will of God was geographical. God called me to Dominican Republic or, or occupational. You're supposed to be a doctor or a business person or so, it's a job and it's a place. But I've come to believe that the will of God is not primarily geographical. I've come to believe that the will of God is not primarily occupational, what you do for your job. Now, God is in those things. But I believe the will of God is primarily relational. That the will of God is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and to love each other well, and then to follow the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And if you get those first two right, if you're really seeking after God and loving Him, and you're loving other people well, you know, you're going to be doing the will of God. You don't have to worry so much about the details of making sure it's just right, because you can be on a right path with the wrong heart and be way out of God's will. God is looking for people that love him and follow his voice. And you say, well, that, that sounds pretty easy. So why is it so difficult? Why is following God have so many things and, and so many things that will take us off the track? And part of what challenged this message was some news that we heard recently. And I want to say this with the utmost um, care for a man named Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris has been a Christian leader. He wrote a famous book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Sold 1.3 million copies, I believe. It put him on the bestseller track and speaking track. And he's um, recently come out. I was just watching something where he has uh, left his marriage. And he's left his faith. In his words, he's no longer a Christian. And this is a man that's been following Christ all of his life up until this last couple of weeks. And I watched that and I thought, dang. I picked another one off. And I don't know, it makes me mad. This makes me mad. I don't, I don't feel... I don't feel threatened in my faith. I don't feel like, oh no, what? Am, I don't, I'm not challenged in what I believe. I'm just going, I'm looking at this marriage. I don't even know if there's kids. I just look at it and I just go, man. And I have watched too many people get picked off. Watched too many of us walk away from following Christ. And I, I go back to the words, he she that would endure to the end will be saved. Too many have lost their way. And so I say, you know, what is the problem here? What do we got to do to stop people walking away and not finishing the race well? Because, see, we live in a world of a lot of voices. There's voices shouting to us all over the place, different kinds of voices. But they're calling to us, and these voices have the power to take you off of the path that God has for you. And I thought we'd uh, illustrate that in just a moment. But I wanted to read Matthew 7, 13. Sobering words. So my message today is not quite as much fun as some other messages. A little more sobering. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. 
and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those that find it are few. As I read that, I go, wow, that's a, those are scary scriptures. But my prayer is that you would be among those that walk through the narrow gate. There's no limit. It's not like there's a certain number, and if you're after that number, you're out. You have no reason. There's no reason why you can't be among those that finish this race strong, finish it well. But there are voices that continue to pull at us, and different voices will take different people off the path. I'm, let's illustrate this this morning. I need 10 volunteers to stand up. All right, we got one, 10 people, valiant souls, just stand up, two, three, four. We need a couple more. All right, that, that'll... That'll do it. Stop. All right. So we have more. And so you guys are voices and temptations. Okay? And your goal is to draw people to you. You are the distractions of this world. So when I tell you, I want you just to call people to you. Tell them you have the right way. You, they need to come and follow you because you will give them life and money and whatever else. Ready? Call people to you. Go ahead. Right now. Hey, hey, this way. No, no, I am in the pulpit. Come on up this way. I can take care of you. All right. Hey, you guys are good. All right. There you go. Thank you. Wow. All right. You guys are good. Down, please. All right. Thank you. I can't stop these guys. All right. Now, I liked it. I saw Manoj out there going like this. He went to the cross. I like that. Now, my goal was, you can sit down, please. My goal was confusion. How did I do? Pretty good. Some voices aren't near as aggressive. You guys did great. Thank you. Um, but some voices are soft and alluring. Some voices are beautiful. It's normally not when Satan comes in smoke and cloaks, and, and it's normally not that that draws us away. It's the cares of this world and distractions. I want to illustrate some of those this morning. And here you are. The army of God. And people come along and say, you know, if you buy this car, I just bought a car, if you buy this car, this will really make you happy. Or they say, if you eat at this restaurant, somebody say, you get this restaurant, it will change your life. Nope. Um, <laughs> if you travel to this place, man, this vacation, this trip, it is, you'll, you'll never be the same. Not even a mission trip. And if you do this, you will really, really finally be happy. The, the promises. And then the political parties that say, we will answer all of life's problems. Just vote for me. There's no party that does that. Or how about Islam? There is no God but Allah and his prophet. And they go, nope. 
And these different things draw us away. How the self-help gurus of, uh, well, I, I think of Oprah and Dr. Phil, God bless them, they're not going to fulfill your life. God bless them. How about the love of money? The love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. Money can be used for a lot of good, but the love of it can draw people away. How about health and fitness and sports? Dear Lord, all the sports, good stuff, a lot of stuff, but the cares of this world that can get us off the track. How about family? To preach a whole message, I am a family man. My family is of high importance, but I, you will not hear me say family first. That's a whole message there. It's God first, and family is very important, but we follow the Lord. So even family can become an idol. How about just entertainment? That we have to be entertained constantly. And those are the easy ones. How about the sicknesses that just beat people up? And we pray and we pray. This one fell over all by itself. Uh, we pray and we pray and, and we, God doesn't seem to answer us. And those unmet prayers just sap us. How about the relational brokenness? When our relationships are hurting, whether it's with a spouse or a child or a parent and those things just weigh upon us and they can make us say, God, why won't you fix those things? Then there's offenses that happen because guess what? There's people in the church. And those offenses can come upon us and we can say, if that's the way Christians are. I think I can share this story just in generality. I, I called a person on the phone this week and I said I was a pastor and I was checking on an apartment. And I mean, I said like nothing to her. I'm like, how much do you want for the apartment? And, what? and this woman went crazy. Started yelling and shouting at me and telling me I wasn't a Christian. How, I, I didn't even know what she was talking about, really. And I, I tried, my, I, if I, if, but just, I, you know, and that's how far I got in my conversation. Because she was rolling. And I just felt the Lord say, soft answer turns away wrath. And when she finally breathed, I said, well, God bless you. Have a good day. And she went, well, God bless you too. <laughs> okay. And, and I hung up and I was kind of like, what in the world? I mean, there was, there was no, I didn't give her even any topic really to get freaking out about. I thought just somehow that hearing I was a pastor or something, and there was a but to me. I thought if I could really sit down with her, I'd say, talk to me. What about being a pastor made you go crazy? <laughs> but probably somewhere in her is a hurt of somebody who did her wrong. Somebody that didn't come through. Some, and when she, I represented the church or God or somebody, and whoa. There was an offense and a hurt that just bubbled out. I said, Lord, bless her. Seriously, may God heal the hurt of this woman that I don't even know her name. And these things, one by one, they pick us off and they 
take us off the path. And really, it's a wonder that anyone's left standing. And I want to ask you a question. What is Satan's plan to pick you off? He's got a plan. There's a plan out there somewhere that says, you're in church today. That means you have a heart to know more about God or following God. You're here for some reason, and Satan's going, "Uh -uh." uh-uh. It's not about church. It's about following Jesus. But there's a plan to pick you off. And we have to be on our guard. And that's what Jesus says. I want to read more of the background of Matthew 24. And remember, Jesus is wrapping up his life, and he, he's warning his disciples. It's not all fun and games. In fact, most of it isn't. And he says here in Matthew 24, and I want to read this entire section, starting with verse 3. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they realized that Jesus was going to leave or something. They were confused. They're trying to figure this out. And they go, okay, so when are you going to come back? And when are you going to give Israel freedom from the Roman oppressors? I mean, they still thought he was a political figure. They were trying to figure this out. So they're asking about the end times, about his return. And notice how he answers. He doesn't really answer their question, at least not to their liking. He answers them about being strong and enduring to the end, about not getting picked off, about not falling off the way, about keeping on the race. Jesus answered them. Remember, their question, when will you come back? What will the signs be? And here's his answer. See that no one leads you astray. And let these words be to you today from Christ. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you'll hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up for tribulation and you will be put to death and hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness, it will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is not a message on the end times. This is a message on Jesus is telling us it's not going to be pretty. Jesus is telling us it's going to be hard. And too often, I believe, we preach a message that says, come to Jesus and all of life will be beautiful. Come to Jesus and you will have no more problems because Jesus will take care of them all. You won't have any problems in finances, in health, in relationships, in politics. and You name the area because you have Jesus. And that is not what the gospel says. Now, it's a prettier message. It's a little more fun to preach. But Jesus is saying here, 
if you follow me, you're going to have persecution, death, hated by all nations for the name of Jesus, lawlessness, wars, there'll be international unrest, false prophets trying to draw you away, famines, earthquakes, and the love of many will grow cold. Wow, that's a happy sermon, isn't it? But you got to hear it because when we preach the other, which is not what Jesus says, then when life gets hard, when we hit the wall, when there, is, there are problems that are big in our life, we say, well, God must not be true. He promised me a rose garden. He promised me it all go perfect for me. And where is God? Well, God is in your problems. What he's promised, the promise that I take to the bank is he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will walk through hell and back with you. But he doesn't promise to always make it beautiful and pretty. His promises are in this world, you're going to have tribulations. Whose favorite promise is that one? Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, hang on to that. But it's the words of Jesus. And I would not be faithful as a pastor to not say, this is what Jesus speaks about discipleship. And the question is, how do we endure? And it's not just gritting your teeth and enduring. But how can we finish this race strong? How do we run the race, fall down, get up? How do we finish this race strong? Well, first of all, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to realize that we are weak and we can't do it. A good place to be is, God, I can't do this. Amen? If you say, okay, I'll just be stronger, Pastor, you're in trouble. I mean, that's, a, that's nice, but it's not going to make it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit saying, God, I need you. It's a great first place to be. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me, to help me win this race. Let me give you some keys that are sermons in themselves, but some ways that are important for you to finish this race strong. And that is my heart, that each and every one of us would be those who walk through the narrow gate. That each and every one of us would be those who finish this race well. And I'm living in a house with two elder women, Helen Barefoot and Norma Norell, 92 and 91 years old. I probably shouldn't have told your age, but there it goes. <laughs> now we all know. And you know what? These are two women that are finishing the race strong. They have run a good race. And we don't know whether it, the time that God has for them but I see them finishing the race strong. Unless you think it's all been easy for them, have a chat with Helen Barefoot. She will tell you of the challenges and the hardships and the struggles, and she's finishing this race well. And may that be an inspiration to all of us to say, that's what I'm going to do. It can be done. Mel and Mae Dahlberg, I did their double funeral recently. 93 years old, I believe. They finished the race well. So how do we do it? Well, we walk close to Jesus. Church is not going to do it for you. I think church is important. But church isn't going to cut it. 
in your deepest, darkest, most challenging time, church or the people of church aren't enough. We've got to find ways. And you know, there's different ways of connecting with God. Sometimes it's walking out in nature. It always involves the Word of God. Some may do it through listening to the Word. Some reading the words. There's different ways, but find your way of knowing Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Walk with Him. Bring Him into every part of your life. Traditions don't do it. And people, there's a lot of good people in this church. I love this church. But at the end of it, we aren't Jesus. People will fall short. You've got to walk close. I love that song that our worship team led us in, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And all these other things kind of, they just become less important. I remember my father as he was, he was an avid Twins fan. He'd been very happy this year with our Twins. And he knew every player. He knew their batting average. He could tell you everything about all of them throughout the year. He'd keep the scorecard, you know. And, and um, as he was nearing heaven, I'd go in and talk to the twins. Oh, Dad, the twins won last night. And he'd go, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, what? I mean, he was always so excited, just like, you know, really? When you're near in heaven, how the twins did last night really doesn't matter. Unless they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. And then, then that matters. Whereas it's been here this morning, I just had to... You can tell him I said that. Um, the things of earth, the things that we get so worked up over, the things that matter so much to us today with the clothing and the cars and all that, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, it, it changes the way we see life and the priorities we have. We have to walk close to Christ. I'd also say, find brothers and sisters. Alone, you're vulnerable. You hear me go back to this over and over, and I will keep going back to it. We need each other. It's why we're going to raise up some weekly life groups because we need brothers and sisters who are looking outward, reaching the world, but that there is, we need each other in this battle. I, uh, with permission, I share a little quote that someone said to me recently. They're in a men's group. And a man said to me, my men's group has saved my life just landed in my heart. It wasn't, I really like these. These are fun. It was this group having some men to talk to, having some men to stand with me, to pray with me, saved my life. And I go, praise God. We need that. We need groups of people who walk with us that when we're tempted, when we're down, when we're struggling, when we just need a high five for something good we did, we need people who will walk with us. This independent American Christianity makes you vulnerable. And you'll be another one of those that get picked off. Find brothers and sisters to walk with you. Stay humble. Get humble. The scripture in Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Humility is a good place to be. It's, you don't fall as far when you're down low. And we got to be low 
that we recognize our sinfulness. We recognize our ability to fall, so we need somebody else. We recognize that we're no better than anybody else. You know, I will tell you that as in leadership here at the church and with the elders and with the staff, one of my prayers consistently is God put the fear of God in their heart when we're talking and dealing with somebody else's life. We are no better than anybody else by any means, and yet there are roles and, and decisions that we make. God may be done in the fear of the Lord because if someone were making a decision over my life, I would certainly want them to do it in the fear of the Lord and in humility and with great love. You have to be humble. We've got to learn how to fight. Recognize there's a war because if you don't, then you're certainly going to get picked off. That's what I say as I kind of wrap this up to say, I can hear people, I imagine I can hear people thinking, yeah, but I'm down. I've screwed up. I have messed up. And you're talking about finishing strong, but it is what it is. I, I've fallen. Well, I got good news for you today. Proverbs 24, 16 says, though the righteous falls seven times, they rise again. One more time. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. It's not that we never fall. May you never fall. But when and if you do, the righteous, though they fall seven times. Notice they're righteous. Though they fall, though something happens and they fall off, they get back up. They don't stay down. They say, they come to Jesus, they own their sin, they confess and they repent, and they say, Lord Jesus, pick me up. And the Lord is so faithful to pick people up. He's so faithful to forgive. So we're not talking about becoming perfect, but we're talking about people that continue on the path that God has laid out for them. The worship team can come up here. I want to close by just mentioning what Paul did. And it's my last how to be one that stands, endures to the end. Paul says, brothers, I'll add sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own. He says, I'm not there yet. Anybody there yet? I've not made it there yet, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I have one thing ahead of me. I have a prize. He had a goal set before him. And I want to challenge you as you go home today to have a goal that you set before you for your life. It says, by God's grace, I'm going to finish strong. By God's grace, I'm going to finish this race. I'm not going to be one of those that get picked off along the way. By God's grace, I'm going to establish the things in my life that I need to so that I can finish and I can run this race well. And what's that prize? Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 4. And this is Paul. Imagine Paul, his life is coming down to an end. And he says, 
these words, which are powerful words. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Can you imagine saying that? I have done what God's called me to do. I've run the race. I've finished the course. And God has a crown waiting for me. Wow. But he says, and not only for me, but for all of those who loved his appearing. There is a crown waiting for you. You say, well, what about my mess-ups? Under the blood of Christ, hallelujah. Let's run forward today in the race that God's called us. Let's be those who endure to the end, closing the doors and identifying all those voices that try to get us off the path. You know, for my life, years ago, the Lord just gave me a, a goal. And I wrote it down in one of my journals, and, but it stuck with me. It's a little different than Paul's, but it's along the same line. And I, I pray that I can get to heaven. I know I'll get to heaven by God's grace. But when I get to heaven, I want to be able to know in my heart that I've been faithful to my wife, been faithful to my kids, faithful to my God that I can run the race and finish the course does that mean I'm sinless so far from it does that mean I've always been on the path no but I set that as a goal before me that I can say by God's grace from today forward Jesus make me faithful God may I run that race that you've set before me and then he has for us this great, beautiful goal to hear someday, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be an incredible moment of eternity when you come before the Lord and the Lord says, well done. Not perfect, not sinless, well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we set those goals before us by the grace of God. Let's stand and sing one of my favorite old-time hymns on Christ the solid rock I stand my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust my brothers and sisters may you fight the good fight may you finish your race may you stay strong in your faith and may you 
at the end of your life be awarded the crown of righteousness that the Lord has waiting for each and every one of you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. If you can just give me one more minute, just three quick things. If you're our guest today, please stop by the welcome booth. There'll be some people there to greet you. We want to let you know how welcome and glad you are.